poor Ricky, bless his heart, uh, never knew what Lucy was doing. And, and that's mostly because Lucy didn't know what she was doing either. <laughs> um, um, so... <laughs> that's right. So it still, it still comes down to explanation, right? <laughs> that's right. Um, okay, so... So, what we're really looking at here, uh, we started a little trip through John chapter 1 last week uh, as our, our Advent kind of sermon series. And the truth is that the whole point of what's going on in John chapter 1 is that John has some splaining to do. He's trying to explain some things to the early church that were honestly kind of fuzzy, kind of confusing. Um, so just, just a little quick uh, run through uh, church history. Uh, Christmas in all the other Gospels is story-driven, right? <clears throat> um, there's, well, I, not so much Mark, but, but we get what we call the Christmas story from Matthew and Luke. Uh, and it's filled of, it's, you know, there's kings and there's uh, you know, wise men and there's uh, angels and, and there's lots of uh, mind-blowing action that takes place. Uh, and Mark, uh, to be honest, which is the earliest of all the Gospels, probably written plus or minus 45 A.D., there, there's really no Christmas story at all. Uh, no camels, no wise men. No birth of Jesus, no nothing. Just boom, Jesus takes off and he's uh, starting his ministry. But then you get Matthew, which was written 15, 20 years later, uh, was written for a, Jew, a Jewish audience to confirm Jesus was the Messiah. <clears throat> and so his version of the Christmas story focuses on mostly King Herod and the, the Mysterious wise men who are coming from the east. It's all political. The whole story is political. Because Matthew's purpose in his gospel was to convince Jews that Jesus uh, was the real true Messiah. Luke was not a Jew. He was uh, Greek. Um, Also written about the same time as Matthew. Uh, but he was writing for, for Greek and Roman converts. And so he's trying to explain the, the, why Jesus was important for people who had never heard of Jesus and never heard of Jews and never heard of the Messiah and never heard of anything. And so he focuses more on Mary and uh, the story of the shepherds and uh, some stuff like that. So why... So, but it's, it's all about the characters and the action. Uh, John has a completely different approach to telling the Christmas story. Uh, John's Christmas story, there's no kings, there's no shepherds, there's no annunciation. There are no characters, not really. Uh, he he was, was written much later, sometime in the 90s. Uh, so b- by now, everyone knows the stories. Everybody knows about the virgin birth. Everybody knows about the kings. Everybody knows about the shepherds. Everybody um, knows the, the whole, all the circumstances behind, 
how Jesus came to earth. But to be honest, they are still kind of fuzzy about why he came. I mean, at this point, they all know he came, and they're all glad he came, and they have been experiencing the power of God in amazing ways in their lives, so they know that it's real, but there are still, especially in the 90s, um, bleeding over to the next uh, 100 years, 150 years, there's lots of confusion about what any of it means. Um, so, uh, at, even at this point, Christianity is under attack from lots of false doctrines. Um, not the least of which was the rise of Gnosticism uh, that minimizes the nature of Jesus. Gnosticism basically says, <clears throat> there's lots of weird stuff about Gnosticism, but one of the things that Gnosticism says is that Jesus could not have been God because God is so holy and so pure and so uh, incredible and so awesome and so unreachable that he would never allow something as nasty and ugly and, and stinky as human flesh be in contact with him. So, um, so Jesus was, he wasn't God, he was uh, uh, like a, a demigod. Um, he, he wasn't really human, but he wasn't really divine. He was kind of like a... Like if he walked down the road, he wouldn't really leave any footprints, but he still really wasn't God uh, because God wouldn't, wouldn't allow himself to touch anything human. Um, and then you've got also some of the, the religions that focus more on uh, a dualism, a battle between light and darkness. And all these people, all these philosophers, and all these philosophies and all these doctrines were trying to co-opt... Uh, Christianity, because it was a, a great vehicle. There are certain things about Christianity that you could borrow and turn into your own religion and then just send monthly donations for, of 1995 and we'll all be rich. So, so by the 90s, John is trying to start sorting these things out. Um, even though there are stories in the Gospel of John uh, and there are characters in the Gospel of John, uh, John's gospel was written specifically to poke holes in some of these lies and to dramatize and demonstrate the true nature of Jesus and, uh, and his relationship with God and, and the focus on eternity. So he's, he, he talks about Christmas, but he explains the meaning and the plan behind the Christmas stories. He doesn't talk about the stories. He, he explains what it was all about. And we started last week uh, when we discover he starts right off and he's pretty subtle about it. He, he doesn't start by saying, listen, all you stupid people who believe in Gnosticism and you believe that Jesus wasn't really God, that he was a demagogue and he didn't leave footprints because God wouldn't touch anything human and wouldn't touch anything earthly and wouldn't allow himself to take on flesh. Let me tell you, let me tell you about Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as we'll, as we'll come across next week, he, he wraps up this f- first big uh, narrative by saying, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he, so he, and in, the first, in the chapter 1 of the, of the Gospel of John, he is, John's purpose is to dismantle 
all the lies behind uh, neo, what we call neo uh, or, or nascent Gnosticism. Say that, neo nascent Gnosticism. See? Uh, so, it's, it's, so, from the, I mean, the first, the first verse was basically John saying, if you believe in Gnosticism, you're stupid. If you believe in Gnosticism, you don't know the truth. If you don't believe, if you believe in Gnosticism, you haven't even met Jesus. You're just making stuff up. Uh, he was in the beginning with God. God, and this is the thing we walked away with last week. God is a planner. From before time began, he planned on a way to rescue us. From before time began, he knew us. He knew everything about us. He knew our destiny. He knew our purpose. He knew every little piece of DNA uh, that he, that would one day become the code that brought us into existence is our own unique work of art that he had created. And he already had implemented a plan to rescue us and heal us and help us and save us before there were planets, before there was uh, cosmic gas, before there was cosmic dust, before there was anything, God said, well, first I'm going to make a universe. Um, I'm going to make beetle guys because I think it's such a funny word. I'm going to, turn it, I'm going to make a bunch of stuff. I'm going to make it. And if the earth were a golf ball, it would be about this size. I'm going to make all of that. And then on this little tiny golf ball, I'm going to put a whole group of people that I have been dreaming about from, since before the universe began. And, and they're going to be named Natalie and Jonathan and John and Karen and Randy and Sherry, and a bunch of other names, because people have weird names. Uh, and, and I see in my spirit, in my vision, I see every one of them already alive, uh, being who I have created them to be, and I'm not going to lose them. From the beginning, in the beginning there was God, and God had a plan. God was a planner. So that's the first thing John wanted people to know, and we hit that last week. So, here's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to read this through real quick. The next verses, <clears throat> starting with verse 6. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He, he, he wasn't the light, but he came to testify about the light. Now, there was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and those who were, who were his own didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, they were born of God. Very, very powerful passage. People need to know the truth, and people can handle the truth. And whatever Jack Nicholson said, whatever people believe about that, you can't handle the truth. Uh, no, uh, we can handle the truth. We are hungry for the truth. We are desperate for truth. 
We need truth. And we need truth more every day. People are, are stumbling blindly looking for truth. The devil has convinced them that, that, the, that the truth that, that they've already been exposed to is a lie because mostly because Christians have messed it up so badly that, it's, uh, that the truth is lost and unrecognizable. And uh, over all the histories of the church, corrupting truth and turning it into a, its own little game. <clears throat> but they need this truth. Uh, so look at this. We're talking about John the Baptist. Name was John. Isn't it interesting? We've spent so much of the last several months in the book of Acts talking about what? The power of God. Witnessing. Uh, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be able to tell my story, tell your story with miraculous results. That word witness, which is simply, uh, it, witness doesn't mean, come over here and let me read you a tract. Uh, that is designed to convince you to agree that my opinion of Jesus is correct. Instead, I mean, there were no tracts in the, in the book of Acts, right? There weren't. There weren't any four spiritual law books. There weren't even any three spiritual law booklets. <laughs> there was just people going around the neighborhood saying, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I met this guy named Jesus. I met, I met this guy named Peter, and he laid hands on me, and, and, and he healed me, and, and he told me it was about Jesus. And I prayed, and I received the Holy Spirit, and I'm having some kind of thing, do something I think is kind of happening to me. I'm this kind of really amazing trip, and, 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 and now I understand God, and now I know God, and Jesus was his son, and he died on the cross to pay for my sins, and he, wants, and he died on the cross to pray for your sins. Wouldn't you like to receive him? Look, let me come pray for you. Maybe he'll touch you in some way, and then you'll know I'm telling you the truth. That's the way that they, that's the way that they told their stories. So, um, that was just the Spirit of God um, saying a big amen. Um, so, they told their stories. They didn't tell people theology. I mean, th- this is probably the first attempt uh, in the Gospels to try to construct theology in the 90s. Uh, in the early days, people didn't debate doctrine. They just told stories. This is what happened to me. This is what has occurred in my life yesterday because of my relationship with Jesus. It's real time and up to date. I was going through something, and Jesus got me through it. I would have quit. I would have stopped. I would have been defeated. I would have walked away. But the power of God came on me, and... I got hope from somewhere. I got strength from somewhere. I got understanding from somewhere. The power of God dragged me through. I was so I was sick as a dog and sick in bed, and my friend came over and laid hands on me. And the next thing I know, I'm up walking and leaping and praising God. I, I was encountered by the presence and power of God. And it's and, and dude, you've got to try this. That's and so. John the Baptist didn't come to lecture people. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through hearing John's stories. And what kind of story did John have to tell? Let's think about this. What kind of story did John the Baptist have to tell? One coming that's greater than I am. But but his story starts before then. Well, he, he preached from Isaiah, but his story starts before then. 
He was sent by God. His story starts before then. Mary's cousin, for one thing. So, so he's known Jesus for a long time. What? He was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And that's the first account anybody can find about anybody in the New Testament being filled with the Holy Spirit was John the Baptist in his mother's womb. His, his mother and father were, I'll just choose the elegant language of uh, the King James, his mother and father, according to Luke, well, uh, well, his, his father was an old man, and his mother, Elizabeth, was well stricken in years. <laughs> so John, John the Baptist's story actually starts with, um, guys, you know, my father was 85 and my mother was 83 when she got pregnant. They had completely given up any kind of hope at all to ever have a kid. They prayed and prayed and prayed for a long time. But eventually you just have to face reality and just give up. And they gave up. And then one day an angel appeared to my father when he was in his 80s. And he was ministering in the temple. And the angel said, the angel said, greetings. Zacharias, your prayer has been heard. And Zacharias is going like, you mean that, that prayer that my neighbors had turned their loud music down at night so I could go to sleep? Uh, no, 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 no. That prayer that you prayed 60 years ago. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and then Elizabeth was like, no, no, you can just go sit down over there. No. Uh, so his, so John's testimony starts with miracle number one, I'm a miracle that I even existed. Miracle number two, I was filled with the Holy Spirit before I was even born. Miracle number three, I've watched Jesus grow up. And I've seen the Holy Spirit fall upon him. I have seen and heard with my own eyes the kind of ministry God has called him to do. You are not going to believe this. This guy is the real deal. He has been a part of my life since before I was born. And he God has sent him to rule the world. And you need to repent. You need to change the way you act and think about God and the way you act and think about his, your relationship to him because he is about, he has shaken my life and he is about to shake this whole world. That was his testimony. His personal story. And he told it so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to tell his story about his relationship with the one who is called the light of the world. So, <clears throat> so that's cool. So, he, um, so, so John's trying to get them. The message of Jesus must always be driven by our testimony, our stories of living in relationship with him. Because people are looking for authenticity. And there's nothing more authentic than sharing truth that you have personally experienced. That's what the world is looking for. 
They're not looking for Christians coming along and saying, look, oh, by the way, you're living your life wrong. And if you want to get God on your side, you need to change the way you live and start living more like me. If you could be like me, then God would be happy with you. Eh. That's wrong. But that's generally the way our preaching of the gospel comes across. We don't, honestly, we don't, we don't necessarily mean for it to be that way because we want people to be saved. We want people to know Jesus. It's just that, that we start with finger pointing or we start with, with trying to win an argument instead of telling our stories. And so the world just thinks we're out to tell them what to do. They, don't, they think we're trying to sell them something. Um, trying to get, our, get their money. Um, <clears throat> trying to get them to buy into a bunch of rules so we can run their lives. Um, can't. So, <clears throat> which are you more likely to believe? A commercial about something that you see on TV or a close friend that has bought a product that they think is the greatest thing they've ever experienced and it's totally changed their lives. And uh, all they're doing is saying, try this, try this, try this. I'll even buy the first one for you. If that's how good I think this is. Um, we, in, in sales, the first rule of sales is that people don't buy products, they invest in relationships and that they pref- people prefer to do business with people that they know and trust. Uh, so you have to build relationships with people so you can earn the right to tell your story. And that's the way, that's starting with John the Baptist. He was telling his story. Um, all right. So, so then it shifts to uh, the, the whole notion of darkness versus light. And, and now this is where the, the funky weird religions, or they weren't weird in those days. You understand, don't you, that Christianity, nobody in the days of the book of Acts thought they were starting a new religion, right? They just thought they were good Jews, good Jews who had finally found the Messiah, and they thought everybody would be excited. Hey, we found the Messiah. Really? Where? We've been waiting for 400 years, for, uh, 800 years for the Messiah. You found him? Let's go. And because of politics... And because the Messiah turned out to be not what people thought, uh, they eventually were ostracized and, and imprisoned and murdered and chased all over the world. But all they were doing was just trying to be faithful to the stories. <clears throat> and they didn't have a hierarchy. They didn't have <clears throat> uh, an editorial board. They just had their stories and their experiences. And so... All these other sort of weird philosophies that were uh, already bubbling up in Greece and Rome and, and Persia latched on to pieces of it. And so John now is still trying to sort this all out, including this, you know, this battle between light and darkness. And so, so he goes on uh, to say this, uh, because darkness hates light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. Jesus is the true light. He came into the world to enlighten us, to inform, to inspire, to, to direct us, to take us through where it is that we're supposed to go. 
uh, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And he came to his own, and those who were his own didn't receive him. It's like Jesus comes. Now, he was kind of uh, undercover at the beginning. He kept sort of playing it close to the vest, and he didn't want to start a riot, and uh, he wanted to kind of build his fan base or whatever you call it. Uh, but uh, but eventually, standing in front of Pontius Pilate, it's like, yaps me. Uh, it's me, uh, and and I'm here. And Pontius Pilate didn't care, but the the rulers of the temple were like, no, no. Uh, and they rejected him. And on behalf of the entire Jewish uh, nation, they rejected Jesus. Um, and Jesus was standing right here saying, I love you. I'm ready to die for you. Um, don't, you know, you've seen what I've done. You've seen what I can do. You've, you've heard, you've, I mean, I don't know what more I can do. Of course, even his disciples from time to time had problems processing the information. But they, they rejected him. Uh, the, he came uh, into the world. The world didn't recognize him for who he was. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. People looking for truth in all the wrong places. And it still happens today. Everybody's looking for truth. Everybody's looking for something genuine. Everybody's looking for something that will be life-changing. Where? Let's just kind of spitball here. What kind of things are people looking for today or claim to be looking for? And where are they looking? If they're looking for some sort of meaning to life or some kind of focus or some kind of destiny, what kind of choices are they making? What are we, what are we looking for? Uh, where are we looking for it? Science. science. Boy, that's, science is the, is the explanation for everything. You know, I don't know how many times, and this comes, you can see this anywhere, everywhere. Um, um, articles on the, uh, from blogs on the Internet, commercials on TV, scientists discover new blah, blah, blah. Scientists reveal blah, blah. And like, like, like a scientist is a, is a real person. Do, do you know, do you know... A scientist is, I'm, I don't know what to exactly, how to exactly express this, but there are people out there in the world who have technical training in a variety of disciplines. Chemists, paleontologists, uh, quantum mechanics, um, um, Geological engineering. There are there are technical disciplines out there where you have you've had to study, you've had to learn a lot of things that nobody else really cares about, uh, and it makes you sort of like uh, somebody with secret information. Hi, I'm a physicist. Ooh, um, but they're all right. So they're just people who have just been trained in a particular discipline based on a particular set of assumptions. It's not like a scientist is a savant 
or a magician who uh, can make stuff happen. In a perfect world, a scientist would be a general classification of, of a person who follows a what used to be called what? The discipline called the an application of the scientific method. Remember when you used to have a hypothesis and you used to have to test it and it used to have to, to conf- and it used to have to be uh, uh, replicable uh, by somebody else or it had to be disproven. Uh, I mean, there's this whole process. If you were a scientist, it was supposed to speak to the character and the integrity of whatever process you use to apply uh, your, uh, your particular technical training. But not anymore. Just like a journalist used to be somebody who, to the best of their ability, because this is hard, to the best of their ability, a journalist was somebody who uh, provided unbiased reporting to the public. But there are only such things as scientists anymore, and there aren't any such things as journalists anymore, which, it, it, which incidentally is another place where people go for meaning. Um, journalism, uh, the blogs, the Internet, the social media, getting meaning from what we think other people say. It's all been corrupted. Um, but that's, those are a couple of places where people look. Um, any place else? Anything come to your mind? Or please, people go to, to find truth or meaning to help uh, to give meaning to their lives. Religion? Oh, yep. <clears throat> but um, a lot of really funky religions. And you only know what a Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Rama Rama Rama, Krishna Rama Krishna Rama Hare. Or Zoroastrianism or. I read an article the other day talking about millennials. Um, Natalie's a millennial. Um, that's, that's okay. It's not necessarily anything bad. Um, y'all are, you're, I'm not, y'all are millennial-ish. You're really t- too young. <laughs> but an article on millennials and religion, and it, this this article says millennials are actually very down on church very serious about spirituality, but it has to be personal. It has to, it has to give <clears throat> spirituality defined as, oh, I don't know, uh, digging a well in Africa. It has, has to do, you know, do something to bring value to another human being. That gives me meaning in my life. Um, and there's, there's nothing wrong with doing things that bring value to, to blesses another person. But it's not the same thing as Jesus. Um, Actually, millennials are desperately searching for spiritual meaning, but none of them go to church. They're actually, several, in most cases, several generations away from ever having been raised in church. And for the ones who are raised in church, um, they are over it. Just done. Done, done, done. Because I didn't find anything meaningful there. I'm tired of going to some place where people are trying to tell me what to do and looking down on me because of the way I dress or the way I talk or just whatever. Um, so 
Anyhow, people are looking truth for, at all sorts of places, um, but John says it's, it doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be that hard. It's, all it takes is a simple step of faith. Look at this. And honestly, people, people really don't understand this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name. Received him. People say, I, I'm just done with religion. I don't care about religion. I, you know, I'm not going to church anymore because I'm not religious. I'm not a religious person. And when people tell you that, have you ever heard anybody say to that, tell you that? I'm not a religious person. But what you should say, me neither. We already have something in common. I'm not a religious person either. Religion is a trap, man. It's a trap. It's going to suck you in and chew you up and spit you out. I'm not, I'm not into religion either because what I believe in is a relationship. I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And it's real. And let me tell you my story. You got 45 minutes? Let me tell you my story. Uh, and what I discovered at the end of my story was that all I had to do was receive him. And receive the offer of eternal life. And it's completely changed my life. All I had to do was receive him. So, um, so John, stand up. All right. This is your lucky day. Turn, let's face it. So, you know, you cheat out a little bit like this way. This is called cheating, by the way. Right? If you're, doing, if you're on stage and you're doing like this and you end up where people can't see you. Um, so cheating means you have to kind of... Like that. <laughs> All right. So, John, I'm so excited today. And, and I would, I've got this new special device. It does all sorts of wonderful things, including turn this machine off and on. And the minute I saw it, I knew that it had to be, uh, you, I, I wanted you to have it. So I, I bought it for you, and it's my gift to you. And I, I hope you enjoy it. Well, thank you. Okay, so let's do that again. Did you all see what happened? Did you see what happened? Let me do this. And, and John, I got this for you. Uh, let's let's play to stage left over here. So, uh, so, so today, John, I got this for you because um, I knew it would bless you. I just wanted you to have it. So here it is. Ooh, thank you. All right. So now, now let me just ask: How, how was that for you? Did that work okay? Well, that wasn't hard. No. You didn't have to stop and think about it, or no, no not, uh, not too much. I just, I just, I just. But I used the wrong hand. I should have used this hand. You, know, you never use your downstage hand. I should have done that this way. What hand do I use? You should use this hand. Okay. okay. All right. There you go. Now, and you see that exchange in which, uh, which I heard him say, this is important. Uh, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Now we're, now we're doing this little, we're, we're in this improvisational riff here. Uh, so... Um, where I heard you say, thank you very much. Did I, no money changed hands. Thank you very much. No money changed hands. I, um, I didn't ask you. I just said, this is free and 
and for you because I care about you. I wanted you to have it. Boom. Let's do it one more time, just so this is clear. Here it is. Why, thank you, Jesse. I always wanted one of these. That's right. Uh, there. Okay, so the Greek word that's used here, but as many as received him to the... Give John a hand, everybody. Okay. okay, the Greek word for as many as received him, that's, that's what it is. It's literally, it literally means to, to reach out and take something that's being handed to you. So, um, so the good news here uh, is John is saying, you're making this too complicated. Jesus came. He's offering you an eternal relationship with him. All you have to do is say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to receive what you're offering me. I want to receive this relationship. I don't understand all the do's and don'ts. Uh, I don't understand how the Holy Spirit works. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Even to those who believe in his name, you have to, before you can, now, if I handed... Okay, so let's just do this one more time, because this is important. So, John, get back up. This is like round two. All right. So, let's pretend uh, that instead of handing this, uh, and, instead of this being a cool little electronic gadget, because I know how much you, you enjoy electronic gadgets. Yeah. What if instead of that, um, it was a coral snake? And, John, I got you this coral snake because uh, I thought you would really enjoy it. Ah! I like snakes. Okay. <laughs> Why would I want that? I have no use for anything like that. That's, that's bad for me. Shh. Ah. All right. So, in other words, you didn't believe that the author that the author was valuable to you. You didn't. You didn't want this. You didn't believe it was going to be good for you. Well, right. For a minute. All right. Sit down. <laughs> and great. Uh, so, so, so the rest of the thing here is uh, received him. Uh, the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Trust it. You have to rely on it. You have to trust it. It has, has to be something that you believe is true, and what you're actually, the process of reaching out and accepting it is based on the fact that you are ready to trust it. You're ready to believe that it's not a snake, that it really is going to be something that's going to enhance your life. You have to believe you have to believe in his name. You have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And this is a matter of just receiving him. Now, um, is there something else here? I think there is. Yes. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, again, this is John trying to explain to people the who and the why and the what of the meaning of the gospel. People have been experiencing it. They've understood the characters. But now he's starting to connect the dots for everybody. <clears throat> so so they, if you receive him, you have the right to become the children of God. Uh, all of the promises that are true become true at this point. But these children were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Right? Let's put this into 20th, 21st century human people terms. What does this last point mean? 
Good. Right? That's right. That's right. Um, it, this is not a blood. It, which, it, it's not about who you are and what kind of status you have. And it's not something that you that you uh, could accomplish in the flesh anyhow. It's not something that you can make happen. This is something that God did for us. God, again, how far, how far back? In the beginning. In the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, God did this. God did this because He loves you so much that He didn't want to lose you. God loves you so much that He didn't want to lose you. And how long has He been thinking about this? Four dot ever dot all caps. He's been thinking about this forever. And the whole purpose was so that he could preserve an eternal relationship with you because you mean more to him than the universe. He was thinking about you before the universe, before time began. He was thinking about you. And he did this. He did it all. He did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. He did it all. So, the message behind the story. You are, le- you are deeply loved by God. You are fully accepted by God. You are completely and permanently forgiven by God. You are lavishly blessed by God. And you are eternally, perfectly embraced by God as his child, a child who brings him unspeakable joy. And he's been planning this from the foundation of the world. And all you need to do is receive. He's offering you all of this stuff right now. He's offering everybody in the world all this stuff right now. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is say, thank you, Jesus. All you have to do is believe on his name. And boom, all of this stuff that's been planning from the beginning of the world and the stuff that's way more important than this thing. uh, He's been planning this from the foundation of the world. And all he's waiting for is for people to say, yes, Jesus, I want that. Thank you so much. I want that. I want all of this to be true of me. I trust you, Jesus. I believe your promise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There aren't any camels or donkeys or any cattle lowing. The poor baby wakes. This is still the best Christmas story. I mean, you can you can get a You can get rid of all the bit players. As long as you have this. This is the gospel message. From before time began. Jesus planned to give you every one of these things in a relationship with him. He's removed through the cross. He's removed every obstacle. 
that would keep you from receiving this? All you have to do is say, thank you, Jesus. I want that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want that. Please make this, make this true of me. I believe you, Jesus. I trust you. Make this true of me. Let's pray. Lord, it's Christmas. About to be. We're so sick of what the world has done to distort and destroy this message. And right now, today, Lord Jesus, we want to get back to the real meaning. Make this, these things true in my life. I want to receive these things. I want, I want what you're offering, Lord. And even though I've prayed this prayer before, I'm praying again, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I open the door of my heart now and I receive you. Not as a, a little baby in a manger, but I receive you as the Lord of every person. Come be born again in my heart today, Lord Jesus. Make me like you. Thank you, Lord, that I am deeply loved by you, that I'm fully accepted by you, that I'm completely and permanently forgiven by you, that I'm lavishly blessed by you, and that I'm eternally, perfectly blessed by you to just be yours and bring you unspeakable joy. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, breathe new life into my heart today. As we ask it in your name. Amen.